0: Top 40, the finest football multimedia page out there. Follow us on the socials and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy this episode. This is the Top 40's podcast interview with Aldershot Manager. Mark Molesley. Mark starts out his playing career as an 18-year-old playing for Hayes, where he made 167 appearances over a six-year span. He then spent a year up at Cambridge City, where he played 30 appearances. Then he had a successful season at Aldershot, before moving on to Stevenage and Gray's Athletic, where he got his loan move to Bournemouth in the 08-09 season. In January 2009, his loan was made permanent, and he scores three goals in 43 appearances in that time struggling to make the side through injuries and falling out of favour when Eddie Howard moved on to Burnley. And then in 2012, he moved to Aldershot on loan and then he moved to Plymouth on loan the next season. Then he spent a couple of months at Exeter before making his move to Aldershot permanent. In 2015, he took his step into coaching alongside part-time football with Weymouth, managing Bournemouth under-15s alongside the Weymouth first team, which is only part-time, as we'll discover. He also then... Spent a year as a player coach at Weymouth and then before managing Bournemouth Under-21s, alongside for a couple of months, being the caretaker at Weymouth for getting the gig full-time. An unsuccessful season at Southend is followed by a season at Aldershot, where he is today. It's a pleasure to interview Mark and everyone at Top 4 Tears. Thanks him for coming on. So we're back for part two of this week's instalment of Top 4 Tears. And we have a very special guest joining us in what is our first interview of the top four tiers podcast this week we have joining us family friend of mine and order manager welcoming mark molesley mark good evening good evening Th- thanks for having me thanks for joining mate so we're going to start off um, with some questions and tom fire away with your first question all right so yeah firstly mark we'll we'll start with your playing career
1: obviously i've been on the old wikipedia get a bit of a background of you of your game i did actually watch a very good documentary that minus 17 born with one um which you feature in but you started your playing career at hayes um obviously made about 150 games uh firstly i want to ask was it difficult leaving that club because after that you sort of went on a little bit of a non-league journey, didn't you? I think you played for Aldershot, uh, Cambridge City and Stevenage, which obviously Stevenage in the league now, but was it difficult sort of going from being settled that haze for, I think, was it six or seven seasons to all of a sudden playing a season at a time?
2: Uh, yeah, it's always difficult leaving a club, especially ones that you've uh, got a good affinity with, but... Um... Yeah, Hayes was in the National League, which is which now i, I manage in, and it was a, it was a tough league. It was a great learning curve for me. Um, you know, having a few years in there, I think I was sort of 17, 18, making my debut in in the National League. So it, so it was great. Um, you know, I had a really good journey there, a good a good experience, good upbringing. It was a real tough place to um, learn your trade. It was an unforgiving league, so you had to quickly grow up and man up very quickly, especially back in the day. Back then, you could, um, you know, the league was a lot, very physical um, and, and I grew up really quickly. Um, you know, I was indebted for my opportunity to play, play there. And then, um, yeah, you're, you're right. Went on a bit of a, a non-league journey after that and played for some other great clubs, um, which, which, which led me on to my dream of being a full-time footballer. And then which led on to me going into the league as well. So um, it was certainly a great grounding for me and a great a great place to learn my trade.
1: Yeah, and obviously we talk about that. You went to Bournemouth then, which you were a part of that, well, famous side, weren't you? The minus 17. Obviously, there's been a documentary made about it, which I watched, which was excellent. But I would say Eddie Howe, I mean, we all know the manager he is now he's done an excellent job at Newcastle and was superb for Bournemouth but I think the momentum that he managed to generate at that club through that to keep you in the league was just massive and I just want to know was there anything that he did to galvanize that group or or was it just a very talented squad of players that all came together?
2: No I think he, he galvanized the group completely he turned the whole thing around we were dead and buried at the second foot of the table. I think from when he took over at New Year's Day, he got, got the job on New Year's Day. I think we had to show promotion form to stay up. We're in administration. Um, you know, some weeks the players weren't getting paid. We had the smallest squad. And we got quite fortunate that we didn't pick up too many injuries. We, but against all that adversity, we, we used that all to bring us together. We had a, we had a common goal. I think his affinity with the club, he knew how to get the best out of it. He knew how to bring the best out of our players. And straight away, I think, um, obviously, the gaffer and, and, and his assistant, JT, and, 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 his, and his staff, they, they just brought the best out in the, in the players. They knew what, what the club needed. They knew what we needed to do. Um, and their attention to detail and their work ethic
0: was, was second to none. Yeah, nice one, Mark. And for the next question, a bit more of a personal one. Which team do you support and why?
2: I'm a, I'm a West Ham fan and always have been since whenever I got into football. Um, it's been a strange one. That, you know, I don't know. It's always been my team ever since I could, could kick a ball and, and, and liked football. Um, I've always followed followed West Ham. And uh, as, as you get older, I was, I was lucky enough to to obviously play the game at semi-professional and professional level. So you don't quite get to go and support your team as much because you're playing yourself. And, um, you know, I'm still working in football now. But, yeah, I've I've taken my young lad down to a few games. And, um, yeah, West Ham's always been my team. Well,
1: they're having a great season this season, Mark, aren't they? So you must be in real pleased and unfortunate. Have you been to any of the European games or not managed?
2: No, I haven't managed to go to the European games. I've been to a few of the league games and uh, yeah, it's great to see, and like, like I said, from from a young age, supporting West Ham. We were always a bit of a yo-yo club. We were going between, uh, you know, the premiership and the division below or back when I first started them, um, it was League One and League Two. And uh, yeah, at school, it's always, you know, I never quite had the bragging rights of all my mates with their other teams and used to get a bit of stick. So it's, uh, it's great to see us riding high now. And um, yeah, it's, uh, we've I think David Moyes has done a fantastic job down there.
1: Yeah, we certainly relate to that feeling of being poked by our mates for supporting a not-so-good team, obviously both being massive QPR fans, but yeah, moving on to, obviously, back to the Bournemouth situation, you stayed up and then that following season you you scored in the opening league game in a 3-0 win over Bury. I don't know if you can remember that goal. Um, talk it up if you do, but I think momentum is something that is so underrated in football, really. And was it just a case of carrying that momentum across from the survival? Or do you think it was you retooled in the summer and sort of cleared your financial trouble and managed to sign some players? Or was it purely momentum? And also, how important do you believe momentum is for the success or failure of football clubs? Momentum's
2: everything you know that feeling that confidence that that growth that you get if you know if you get the momentum behind you it's a, you know you can really swing things in your favor I think as for us at Bournemouth the next season it was probably more of the same it was um there was no room for bringing loads of players in um, we were still just starting to come out of administration if my memory serves us right um but with that comes some real financial restraints and it was—it wasn't going out and signing players. That wasn't—that sure. was for sure. It was, it was that same group of players, really, give or take one or two, that that carried the fight the next season. But we finished so strongly, we showed promotion form from New Year's Day onwards to stay up that year before. So the belief and, like you said, the momentum and the confidence was there in the group, and uh, we'd been through so much together, and through that adversity, it just just grew a real strong bond within the group. And, um, you know, it, it was always us against the world. And uh, that next season, um, when we started on, on zero points with everyone else, it was a, a bit more of a clean fight from there to the end of the season. And we, and we showed our quality throughout that season. But not only our quality, we showed our, our togetherness and our determination as a group. But it was, um, it was always spearheaded by the management team. Like I said, with their attention to detail and, and their work ethic, they made each and every one of us an individual. They made us a best player, a better player. And, you know, they brought out the best in us. And, you know, I don't think there's many footballers who, who under their guidance and under their management, would say they didn't play their best football. You know, it's certainly my best time in football. They brought the best out in me, and um, they, they created that that team togetherness. You know, I would, I would have run through a brick wall for for that team and for those
0: players and for that management. Nice one, Mark. And moving on to the next two questions, it's a bit of a cliche here, obviously we're called top four tiers, so it's going to be a bit of a top four question. Mm. What are the top four games you've played in and why? Oh, uh,
2: I think my debut for Hayes would always stand out because that's my first senior game. Um, It was at the end of the season in the National League and... uh, Terry Brown, I'll be always indebted for him for giving me my first senior game, and and it was an important game for me because I would come through a college scheme and I was in the reserves, so called then, and I got my opportunity of playing the first team right at the end of the season, and it was like decision time. If it went well, I, you know, fortunately it went very well for me, and we won the game. I got man of the match, and I got offered a contract after. And I always wondered, you know, if, you know, I didn't have a good performance, would that have been enough to get a contract? So it gave me not only my senior debut in men's football in in, in the National League, which is a really tough league. I also think it helped gain me um, a contract for next season for me to carry on in, in that league and in you know, in in senior football. So that game always stands out. The staying up at Bournemouth was absolutely huge. There's probably a couple of games there, which I remember. One away at Dagenham, where I was fortunate enough to score in like the last kick of the game in injury time. And that was when we were really starting to get that momentum going. It was late in March. It was a real important goal for the club. I think it got us within touching distance of getting out of the relegation. It really brought us back into the fight. I think it's just the nature of the goal. It was um, a cold Tuesday night away in, in East London. We had a great travelling following, and I think that belief was really bubbling, and that momentum was really starting to grow. Then, An important moment for us, and then obviously staying up as well uh, at home against Grimsby, second from last there the season. That was really, really special. We really did achieve the impossible, and when you realise your goals and your aims, and how much we'd all gone through, and seeing the you know the packed out Dean Court. Um, you know, we won a spare seat in the house. You know, we have done everything against all odds and that togetherness with us and the team and the crowd, that was that was a really special, special day. Especially me, it was my maiden season in the Football League and, you know, it was a special story for me personally of, like, never giving up and keep going and uh, with all the setbacks that you have and the trials and tribulations and and uh, to come out in that game, that that was that was really special. And, um, you know, my fourth game, I think there's been... There's been quite a few few big games, but I'd probably say Aldershot uh, when we played Portsmouth in the FA Cup. Again, when I joined Aldershot back in the National League, um, at the end of my career, we were again at a minus 10 points at the start of the season. And again, it was a, a tough season to, to stay up, which we did, but we had a good cup run and we beat Portsmouth in a replay. Um, and, 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 and lucky enough, I got on the score sheet in both games. And um, I think that game Really helped the club financially. We had some TV money. It was on TV. It was uh, Army Town v Navy Town. It was around the Remembrance Sunday at Portsmouth when we drew. And then we come back in the replay in front of a packed house and to score the winner. And we won 1-0. That was a a special goal for me. And uh, I think it's it a special goal for the club as well in terms of, um, you know, the financial rewards that we got for that cup run probably helped save the club and, and keep it where it is.
0: Nice one, Mark. And moving on to really good stories there from your days in that famous Bournemouth side, the side who sort of galvanised the momentum to take them up to the Premier League just six years later. And my next question for you is, what are the top four games that you've managed in and why?
2: Oh, I've had some... uh, Yeah, I've I've probably wrapped up quite a few now. Um, Sort of fifth year of management. Um, uh, I think um, winning the league at Weymouth Unbelievable feeling. Um, Again, we had a really, really special group. We were a young, energetic group. We had some uh, a couple of experienced players, which really helped get us over the line. And um, we done it at home in front of our our own crowd. And they were in the National League a long time ago. And and um, you know they had the heights before Weymouth, and there was there was a lot of lows at that club. It dropped down to the middle of the Southern Premier League, and it's it was. It was stagnated down there for a long, long time. So to deliver a promotion was a real special feeling and to share it with the fans down there. And we won it on the last day of the season. We, uh, we won it 3-0 at home, all goals in the second half. And uh, the, the fashion that we won it in, again, the crowd, the energy, the, the whole day that we delivered under pressure. And that was fantastic. To get a promotion and a medal around your neck was great. My second game was the following season when we won in the playoffs. So we went back to back promotions and uh, we got promoted, I felt, against all the odds a year before. But to do it straight after in a bigger league in our first season in the Conference South, which is a really tough league. You know, we had, again, a young team. We had probably one of the smaller budgets, but the, the football we played, uh, you know, I'll always forever be be proud of. And so proud of those players who uh, played for me at Weymouth. They, they delivered way beyond expectations. Um, but it just shows if you get the, the right group together with the right characters. The impossible is, is, is possible, as we proved at Bournemouth. And then as that Weymouth group proved with um, back-to-back promotions, we won on penalties. Uh, we'd missed seven out of our last nine penalties in the season. It was a running theme that we I couldn't believe how many penalties we missed. And then all of a sudden they go to a penalty shootout. You feared the worst, but boy, did we uh hold strong there. We we scored all of ours and and we and we got promoted. And to take Weymouth back to the National League where it hadn't been for a long time was a was a special feeling. Um then I got to manage in the league at South End, which was a very difficult job, but one I'd always be proud to say that I've managed in the league and I've managed uh South End. Um we again picked up a, a tough situation. The club was in administration, there was a lot of off the field issues, um, you know, a very small squad, young squad. You know, we faced a lot, and we went. Our first win there was a, was a vital win to lift the mood and the confidence. And um, I never forget that feeling. So I've never had to wait for a win that long before, and to get that win was a was a, was a special feeling for the group, and for that for that for everyone involved as well. That was away at Walsall. We won one nil, um, so that was a big moment for us. And then uh, the fourth one, I would probably say away at Woking this season in a, in a massive Derby game. We drew one all at Boxing Day. Um, And then we, we, again, we, we were second bottom in the league. Um, We hadn't won a lot of games previous to December, sort of November, December. And we picked up and went on a good run and we beat, beat our local rivals three, two. We come back from behind uh, in a, and again, a great game with a great traveling support. And I know how much it means to the Aldershot fans to, to beat their local rivals and the atmosphere and the performance I thought was a real special moment, again, for me managing Aldershot, which is, again, a, a club I'm very proud to manage and, and, and very proud to have played for as well.
1: Great answers there, Mark. I have to say, brilliant uh, to to hear that. But you did mention, obviously, about your managerial career, so I will move on to that in a bit more depth. But you started off, actually, with Bournemouth under-15s, if I'm correct. Um, was that something that you managed to get in touch with from the club and also I just want to know was there any players that you sort of managed or coached in that side that have now gone on and sort of are well-known players or have have made sort of an appearance?
2: Yeah I was was very fortunate and indebted to Bournemouth for for letting me back back to the club but I've always had such strong affinity with the club because uh, I always stayed in the area as well so I lived there. My career was coming, I was dogged by injury throughout my career particularly at the end and and I knew that I couldn't quite carry on being a full-time footballer at the age of, sort of 34, 35. And I was at club all the shot, which I, I loved. And I didn't want to carry on when my body couldn't really. So I, um, I decided to go and play for Weymouth as a player part-time, which enabled me to take a job back in the academy at Bournemouth, like part-time, part-time hours. And it was, pu- it was purely for me just to go and learn how to be a coach. Um, you've got. I like to think I had a, a different football career. You know, I had a lot of trials and tribulations, but I think in your hardships always make you make you stronger. And I felt that I had something to give in football, and I wanted to try the coaching. So I went back and trained in the academy for a bit, and then I volunteered with the under twenty threes um, with Stephen Purchase again indebted. To him for letting me come in and learn. I used to do voluntary work with the under 23s, and I'd done a couple of nights and a, and a game with the academy. So, um, you know, it was, I made a lot of sacrifices financially and, and time to go and learn my trade in that, and I threw myself into that. Fortunately, my volunteering led to a few more days with the 23s, and by the end of the season, it, it led to me being able to be full time with the under 23s under Stephen Purchase, where I was so fortunate to learn, be around him. I was very indebted to the first team management for letting me be in and around the, first, you know, and have access to seeing how they work. And it was just an Oxford-Cambridge education for me. I was in the best place and I was learning from the very, very best. And uh, I stayed with the under-23s for the next five years, um, assisting Stephen purchase, purchase and then Cole Fletcher. And that enabled me to start my coaching. i had done a bit with Weymouth and then I took the Weymouth manager's job um, alongside that as well. But as regards to players, we were very fortunate that although Bournemouth were in the Premier League, we were still known as a Category 3 academy because the the club scaled so quickly to the Premiership. The the off the field bit takes time to put those building blocks in place. So we were still a, a Category 3 academy. But what we did do is we all had a fantastic education in coaching, and we all had a, a deep love for the football club, and we just, um, you know, threw everything into it—the the staff and the coaches. And I was very lucky that I was around and produced a lo- quite a lot number of players now, all playing in the football league, all a lot of playing in the first team now at the moment. And uh, we've had international caps and. Uh, you know, to name a few, of you look at Bournemouth's first team at the moment, there's there's a, there's a lot playing. Mark Travers, starring in goal. Um, you know, he come on loan to me at Weymouth. We also had, I see Gavin Kilkenny's playing down there now, Jordan Zamora, um, Jaden Anthony. They're all playing, you know, and starring in the first team at the moment. So that's a, that's a lovely feeling as a coach when you know you've sort of been around and seen them develop. And hopefully they would think I had a very, very small part in, in, in helping them along their way. But the way they've taken that now, they've done fantastic. We've had, you know, loads of first-team appearances. Um, you know, some players have moved on. You've got Jack Simpson and um, Nnamdi and Offerbore up at Glasgow Rangers. You've got Sam Surridge playing for Nottingham Forest. You know, Harry Cornick in at Luton. We've got players scattered about the football leagues and the championship. And, um, you know, some have, have, have hit international honours as well. So, uh, very fortunate to be around a fantastic football club at a fantastic time and seen some really good young talent make it. And I think out of a, probably a Category 3 academy, which it was, we have probably had a very good record at, at producing uh, professional football players. So it's something I'm very proud to be, have
0: a small part and be associated with. Excellent, Mark. And the next question is, um, what is the best stadium and what is the worst stadium that you've played in and why? So that's the cool. best and worst, just one.
2: Oh, that's a bit harsh on the worst. Sometimes the worst are the best because you've got to really dig in. You know, the environment isn't that nice. Uh, you know, I always remember going Atkinson away, the changing rooms are just like portal cabins uh, on a slope. And that's what is their strength. That's why they're such a good team and they punch above their weight because it's a difficult place to go. And But yeah, I think that one was a, quite a tough one to go. The best stadium I've played in, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've You know, I've, I've played at a few. Always quite like the the valley at Charlton was good. Southampton St Mary's that that was fantastic. Um, you know, just I'd I'd always be gutted because of um, I probably had I was dogged by injuries. I I was probably injured more than opportunity in games I played, and that was always my frustration that you know I missed out on some really good places to play at as well. But you know I'd always, I'd always be grateful for the football career I had. Um, I Definitely every stadium I played at, I'd probably always divide opinion anyway. Uh, I think the away fans didn't like me too much sometimes. So I'd always get a few a few boos and a few jeers. I think Sheffield United fans were the funniest with me. Um, when I had my long hair, they were always quite comical. Some of their chants and, sing, and songs that they have. Charlton were quite funny as well. So I, I probably remember them stadiums. I probably remember getting loads of stick and they're the ones that stand out for me, really
1: great to hear that you, you sort of love that banter with the fans because you see a lot of players now that they they either can't take it at all or as you say they play on it, you know, the likes of Charlie Austin who's a QPR player obviously and the likes of Billy Sharp as well they they all love the back and forth with the fans mm. but just going back to that obviously with Bournemouth um you were working with Weymouth whilst being the assistant for Bournemouth so it's, it's quite a contrast, that really, isn't it? Because when you're working in youth football, um, it's a lot, lot different to, as you say, non-league football. A lot harsher is non-league and a lot. I mean, I'm not saying it has got a reputation for being kick and rush, but I'm not saying that's what Weymouth were playing. But when you're at Bournemouth and you're more worried about youth development and results are obviously important, but they're not that you're not living and dying by them. Was it difficult to sort of go from those, flip between those two, or actually did it give you those tools to get both sides as a manager and as a coach so you could develop both sides of your game?
2: No, it gave me the tools. I think I I had a lovely balance. I had the development side at Bournemouth for sure, but to develop a player, you've got to develop in every which way. You've got to develop a winning mentality. You've got to develop their tactical awareness. You know, you've got to get him physically strong and fit and you've got to make him technically the best you can as well. So, you know, that's no difference to, you know, even in, in the first team when you've got to win a game on a Saturday, you're trying to get the best out of your play and developing to be the best you can. So I was so lucky that I had the developing side at Bournemouth and then I had the match day side at Weymouth where I'm preparing a team to win on a Saturday and that's the, the be all and end all. I think the similarities between Bournemouth and Weymouth were, were massive. I, I think I had a, a large... Uh, Ex Bournemouth nucleus, so I had a, a you know we had a real philosophy and a way of playing that served the club really well, um, and then but then also built that tactical awareness and that managing people and and trying to win a game on a Saturday as well. So I felt that I had a really good balance. It was hard work because I was essentially working at two jobs, and Bournemouth was full time in the day, and Weymouth was Tuesday, Thursday nights and Saturday, and any part time. Football manager will tell you that the the, the, uh, the job is anything but part-time. You know, you might be at the club Tuesday, Thursday nights and Saturday, but you're mentally there all the time. Uh, you're always, you know, as soon as you, I'd left Bournemouth, I was out of one tracksuit into another, servicing a lot of phone calls, a lot of prepping, a lot of planning. And I got taught so well at Bournemouth, I wanted to put all of that into at Weymouth. And that, you know, the, the workload that I put onto myself and my staff at Weymouth was, was massive. Uh, and it was anything but part time. But what it did do is um, it gave me a fantastic education, you know, doing the both and uh, and two great experiences, which I hope will service service me going
1: forward. Yeah, brilliant that Mark, and I think it highlights really that the modern manager is very much a training ground manager as well, really, because it's gone of the days, and they're still useful managers the likes of Steve Bruce, Sam Allardyce, those types. But I think now you have to be able to sort of pursue your message in training as well, especially with how important having a sort of philosophy and a style of play is. And so being able to get that while you're at Bournemouth and then translate that to your Weymouth side probably is why that Weymouth side was so successful. Um, and yeah, just great, great to hear that really.
2: No, definitely. And I think, I think that is was just, the bit at Weymouth is that I had a pre-season and I had a previous season where I was doing a bit of coaching down there. I, I could see what I, how I wanted to do it, what I wanted to do. And at the end of that season, when I got offered the job, it meant I had a clear pre-season and I, I managed to recruit everything, the players that I needed that I could, could play that way. When you go into a management job during a season, you don't have that luxury and you've got to find a way of getting the best out of that group straight away. And taking on that challenge that's the difficulty with management now I'm into it full-time and I'm stepped away from Bournemouth and I'm full-time manager at Aldershot now I'm very fortunate to do that you you have to find different ways of making things work for that group you've got to find ways of trying to be at that club long enough to be able to install your philosophy and your way of working and that's always a bit difficult and sometimes you have a bit of conflict in your own head of how you want to play and how you can actually play, and, and that that's management. You've got to get the best out of a group of players. You're afforded no no excuses. You've got to, you've got to find a way, and and, and that's the, the nature of the job. And that's the bit what we enjoy. We enjoy
0: trying to find find a way of winning on a, on a Saturday. What we like to hear, Mark. And just a couple of quick fire questions to round off. So we all, I think everyone's seen your interview middle of January. How is Sam's haircut now? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think he's had it cut again now. So, uh, yeah, I think that was uh, again. Once I got into management, sometimes you park your personality a little bit. You know, I was probably as a player, I was always known as a bit of a joker and a bit of a wind up. Um, I think it's important as a manager you show that that humble side, that humility side, and you got to show your character. Um, I have buried it a lot more since I've been a manager because you're a leader and you want players to follow you, and you don't want to be known as the, as the clown a little bit. And I, I must confess. That was uh, our media guy. I usually do wind him up quite a bit and I had no clue that he put it out onto the club's website. I think he only put it out there as a little bit of an alternative interview. The real interview went out simultaneously with it. Obviously, that one got a little bit of airtime and you saw the power of social media. So a harmless little wind up to the media guy where I'm just making a few silly observations and a few random comments like i like i probably usually do behind closed doors uh with a few of my staff and that um it ended up becoming public public display and it just shows you the power of social media so always be careful what you say you never know where it might go
0: <laughs> could always come back to bite you in the rear end and another yeah. question from that interview is terry still bringing his briefcase Terry Terry has
2: brought his briefcase, and that was I was taking a Mick out of him coming in with a briefcase that day. So, uh, yeah, no, he he does bring that in there. God knows what's in it. I think it probably changes every week, but he tells me there's, uh, you know, his important notebook and pen and uh, and his file of facts. I think.
0: Nice one, and just one final quick fire question to finish. Um, um, who is your favourite player now, and why? Just a quick one to finish. Oh, now that's a difficult one.
2: I'll tell you what I like when I was growing up, my favourite players were Julian Dix at West Ham, the left back, hard as nails, West Ham uh, and Paul Gascoigne. I love Paul Gascoigne. So, you know, right now, I'm uh, being a West Ham fan, I think Declan Rice is um, is a fantastic player at the moment. Um, obviously, wearing the Clareton Blue and, and representing England, I think he's he's as good as there is in holding midfield. Um, and, and, and my Bournemouth boys, My Bournemouth boys, Mark Travers, Jaden Anthony, Jordan Zamora, Gavin Kilkenny, all doing great things in the first team and and lots of others in and around it behind it too. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be many more, you know, Sam Surridge at at Nottingham Forest doing great things. I I, I look at them and, you know, I'm proud that I've, you know, worked with them. So, um, you know, I I always, you know, my my young lad wears, wears their shirts, Around around the house, out playing football. So they're all ones that you know I enjoy. I enjoy watching and seeing do so well at the moment.
0: Excellent. So that rounds off the interview with Mark Molesley. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, please make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast as per usual. Tom, Mark, any last words? No. Thank Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Tom, any yeah, last thanks, words? Mark. Yeah, just want to
1: say thank you, Mark. It's been absolutely brilliant insight, and I think anyone listening. It's been a real fascinating listen to get the views of a, a top-level manager who certainly we will be seeing again in the English Football League, I'm sure of that. Thanks
0: Excellent. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. It. That rounds off this week's um, instalment of the Top Four Tears podcast with a bit of a twist as we see our first interview and there should be a lot more coming in weeks to come. Over and out. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at Top Four Tiers. You've been listening to Tom Ward founder of this multimedia empire and myself lucas ross editor and producer don't forget to like and subscribe